Hi, everybody. It's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. We all long for leaders who can help us thrive. My my daughter, Jessica, is a teacher in Lancaster County, and she's in a middle school. She has a privilege of serving on a search team right now for one of their vice principals. And so she's had the experience of reading through resumes and then sitting through interviews with people. And she said, you know, she's kind of keeping us updated on this. And she said, you know, some of the the interviewers, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I could see possibility there. One of them, though, she said, came through. And when they when they left the interview room, the whole team looked at each other and they were like, no. Like, no, no, no. Like, we don't even need to talk about about this. So, you know, some of you may, I mean, probably few of us have have had the opportunity to choose someone that we work for. And in fact, probably many of us have worked for somebody along the way, hopefully you're not working for them right now, where you're just, you're like, how in the world did this person get into this position, right? So what would you say if I told you that there is a coming leader for for you and for me and for everyone? We will all be under his authority. And he always, as a leader, knows the right thing to do. He always knows the, the, the best decision. He is always benevolent. He is always fair. He's, in a word, I mean, basically, everything he does causes the people under him to to thrive and to flourish. I mean, for some of you, if I said that, you would say, that sounds too good to be true. But what I want to say to you this morning is, it is true. And I want to introduce you this morning to this leader. We're going to look at his, some of his backstory, and then what is yet to come. So if you would take a Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, Romans is on, uh, you, you can grab one of those on your seat close to you. Romans is on page 1039. And we're, we're in a series called Unpacking the, the Greatest Gift. And so the greatest gift being Jesus. But sometimes when you unpack a gift, you're surprised, right? Sometimes you kind of know what's in there, but sometimes you unpack it and you're like, I have no idea, or wow, I didn't, didn't see that coming. So we're looking at some of the surprises around unpacking the, the gift of Jesus. Last week, we saw the fact that God's good news is not new. In fact, it was prophesied and promised beforehand, centuries ahead of time. And and then God kept his promises um, in the coming of Jesus. And so that gives us confidence 
in the God who makes promises. That the promises, because of the promises he's kept that he's made long ago, any promises that he has outstanding still, we know we can trust because he's, he is a promise keeper. Today, we're gonna look at some of the surprises around the kingship of Jesus. And so, we're gonna look at Romans 1, the first few verses. I want us to, to read this differently, though. I had you turn to it because I, I like to always have you have the scripture in front of you, but we're gonna put this on the screen and I want us to read it together um, on the screen. And we have it in a different format here. There, there are a number of scholars that recognize in these first four verses of Romans the, the embryo of a creed. And so some of you come from liturgical churches where you read uh, perhaps the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. Those, those creeds developed over a period of time, and we actually see the, the embryos, the seeds of several creeds. I, I should say we see the seeds of creeds in several passages um, in, the, in the New Testament, and this is one of them. And so I want us to just read together, as, as often happens with reading a creed, and we'll, we will start with that little intro, but then those verses that are set apart there at the bottom are kind of the, the core of the idea of the creed, and just look for the, the, a short story about Jesus. So, starting at the beginning, together, let's go. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this captures in just a few lines the, a short summary of the life of Jesus. So concerning his son, concerning the son of God, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Concerning his son set, makes it very clear from the beginning here that we're talking about the son of God. Okay, if we back up there into that intro, the gospel of God, and then there's a phrase here, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. That's what we looked at last week. Then concerning his son, the gospel of God concerning his son. So before we say anything else about Jesus, we say that he is the son of God. And so it's really important that we understand that, that Jesus existence did not begin when he was born in Bethlehem. So, so John, the gospel writer in John chapter one says, the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So the word there speaking about Jesus, we find out later in that chapter one that he's talking about Jesus. So Jesus' existence is from eternity past. 
What happened at Bethlehem is he took on flesh. We're going to talk more about that next week. But this introduces him, Paul introduces him as concerning his son who was descended from David. We're going to look at that phrase uh, today. And then we're going to look at the phrase according to the flesh next week. So we're going to look at what is called in theological terms the incarnation and then was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of Holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ Lord. We're going to talk about that on Christmas Eve, which is going to make a really interesting and unusual Christmas Eve message. It's surprising, right? We're doing surprises here, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But today, we're talking about being descended from David. So the Greek says, and if, you're, if you haven't, an ESV in front of you, you may have a footnote there that in the, in the Greek, it actually says, who came from the offspring of David. So the question is, why would Paul highlight this? I mean, if, if he wanted to make the point that Jesus was human, then he could have said born of, of Mary. But he wants to make a different point here. He wants to remind us that Jesus was in the royal line, the kingly line of David. And the fact that Jesus was born into that line is a fulfillment of prophecy, which plays a huge role in the Christmas narrative. And that's where we're going to go now. So I told you that Romans, we're, we're just using that as a springboard, right? So now we're going to go to Luke chapter 1. So if you would flip over to that now, Luke 1 on page 9. 48, and I'm going to start reading in verse 26. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Right, let me just pause there and, and address the fact that in the sixth month. Like, what, what is that talking about? Well, it's talking about the paragraph that came before which is referring to Mary's relative, Elizabeth, who is also going to have a miraculous birth because she is, she is older and past the time of childbearing, and she has never had a child. She's been barren all of her life. And an angel, the angel, Gabriel, appears to her husband and says, hey, you're going to have a child even in your your old age. And so in the, and that child ends up being John the Baptist. So in verse 26, in the sixth month is referring to Elizabeth and her pregnancy. In the sixth month of Elizabeth, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of who? David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And notice how virgin gets repeated there a couple of times because we'll, we'll come back to that, all right? Verse 28, and, the, and he, Gabriel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, who? And he will reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. All right, so let's, let's pause here before we go on. There are a lot of surprises here. Remember, we're unwrapping a gift, and so there are, there are surprises. The first is an angelic visitation, okay? That, that's a surprise. I, I don't think I've ever encountered an angelic visitation, although someone did say to me after first service, they pointed out to me the verse in Hebrews that says many of us have entertained angels and not aware of that. So maybe that's, maybe that's true. Um, I don't know about that, but I've never encountered an angelic encounter like, like this one. And I struggled to, to find a picture of, of this or like a painting because a lot of the paintings of what's known as the Annunciation, when, they, when Gabriel announced to Mary that she was going to have a child, a lot of them portrayed the angel as very feminine and really looks just like Mary, except you slap some wings on the back. And that is not the way Scripture portrays angels. I mean, Scripture, first of all, Scripture always refers to angels in, in the masculine, as it does here. And then they, they're always like, in, they, they instigate fear in the people that they that they show up to, you know, so that people are like falling on the ground. They're like, you know, running away. I mean, they're just like, like they're intimidating. And so I thought this, this is actually my daughter's favorite painting of this. And I thought at least this captures some of the awe that Mary must, must have felt as the angel is appearing to her. So the first, the first surprise here is like, wow, there's an angel showing up. Like, that's, that's awesome. I mean, we, I think we kind of get dulled to this, especially at this time of year, because it's like, oh, yeah, angels. And, you know, we had angels here on Friday night standing out there in the courtyard. And, you know, they had, you know, whatever, you know, halo things made out of tinsel and stuff like that. I mean, we're kind of numbed to the appearance of an angel, but this was awesome, like, in the, in the sense, in that, sense of the word. And so that's the first surprise. The second is the angel comes with a message, you're going to have a baby. And so we've already seen, like it was made very clear by, by Luke, that this, this is a virgin. She is a virgin. She has not been with a man. She's engaged. She's committed to a man. She's betrothed to, to a man, but she's not been with him. And so she She's like, how is, how is this going to happen? That's what she asks as we read on in verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. All right, so the, the surprises are kind of building now. I mean, we've got an angel, an angel saying, you're going to have a baby. And thirdly, this is not just like any kind of ordinary baby in any sense of the word. This is going to be the son of God. Like I'm thinking if I'm married at this point, I, you know, all my circuits are being blown. And I'm just like, I, I just, I don't even understand, cannot grasp what is going on here. 
There's another surprise in here that we, I think we sometimes read past because of the, the enormity of the surprises that we've talked about, but Mary would not have missed the significance of this. And let's go back to verse 32. The first part of it we, we talked about, he will be great, will be called the son of the most high. But the second part here is, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. What's happening here is that God, God, through the angel Gabriel, is announcing the reestablishment of the Davidic dynasty. So there has been a 600-year interruption. It's been 600 years for Mary since there's been a, a king descended from David. And now this angel is showing up and saying, it's about to restart. And it's going to start with this baby that you are going to carry. So the, the Davidic dynasty, the, the King David as a king is, is huge to this day in the psyche of Jewish people as the greatest king they have ever had. And so for, for Mary, huge in her, her psyche, David's kingship began around 1000 BC. And from that time, there were kings that were his son, his grandson, his great-grandson, on and on and on, down until 586 BC. Some, some of the kings were good. Some of the kings, we would say, people could thrive under because they, they were submitting themselves to God. They were God-fearing kings, and so they were doing what God wanted, and so they led in a way that allowed their people to thrive. Other kings, not. Uh, they, they, were, they were evil. They were worshiping idols. They were selfish. They were ignoring their people. And so you had this mix-mash of all of these, these kings until you get to 586 BC. And that is when God said, enough is enough. I've warned you over and over. He sent uh, prophets to warn them. And he said, that, that's it, time's up. And so now you're going into exile to, to Babylon. And so the dynasty ended. There were, there were no more kings. And so it's been 600 years. And now this angel shows up and says, now it's time to resume. And it's going to resume with this baby that you're going to carry. So for Mary... This was a surprise, but it wasn't a surprise. I mean, it had to be a surprise that it was happening to her, because I'm sure she never imagined that. But it wasn't a surprise in the sense that this was expected because it had been prophesied. And so I wanted to share uh, some prophecies with you to, to show you that there, there are a lot of them related to David. So we're not going to look at all of them. I'm restraining myself to three Okay, so um, the first one was a prophecy directly to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. This was the first. 
So this, again, this is to David. David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. So this is talking about Solomon. It's talking specifically about his son Solomon. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure, what's the word? Forever before me. Your throne shall be established, how long? Forever, all right? So this is the promise made to David that your dynasty will go on forever. So the, the early part of this, these verses is talking specifically about Solomon, but the end of it is saying this, your, your throne is going to go on. It's, it's not going to, to end. Jesus came to be king for always. Jesus, Jesus didn't come just to be a, a temporary king. He came to be king forever. So under Jesus' rule, there will be no election cycles anymore. Can I get an amen to that? Okay. There, there will be no more uh, succession plans. We, we will not want them. We will not want someone else to be on the throne because he he will rule in such a way that we will thrive and we will say, why would we want any, anyone else? We see that in the second prophecy from Isaiah, which we sang here just a little bit ago. We're gonna see the forever idea and also the character of his leadership. So pretty familiar passage for this time of year. Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government, there it is, he's going to be a leader, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and how long? Forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So he will lead a kingdom characterized by peace, or we could say shalom. So today we, we lit the candle of, of peace and shalom, the, the Hebrew word shalom, means much more than the, the absence of conflict. It, it means the, the presence of wholeness, the presence of health, the presence of, of abundance, everything that is needed, the presence of thriving, we, we could say. So he will be the prince of shalom, and shalom where is it? Of his government, the increase of his government, and of of shalom, there will be no end. He will be full of justice, full of righteousness. And how long will that go on? 
for forever. Jesus came to be king for always. And, and I, I love to point it out every, every time we look at this passage, and of the increase, the second paragraph there, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So of the increase, his, his government will continue to increase and take over everything. And we will, this, this is the one time, I think, when we will rejoice and say, bring it, like let it increase because it's gonna be so good. And we're going to thrive under his kingship and his leadership. There's one more prophecy uh, from, from Daniel. There's many more, but this is the one other one that we will look at. This is from Daniel chapter seven. Daniel said, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Jesus often referred to himself as a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. So the ancient of days being God the Father. And so the son of man, the son of God was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, how, how many peoples? You guys are doing good. We're doing a lot of interaction this morning. That's good. All peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus came to be king over all for always. He came to be king over all. Uh, that's, that's what it says here. All peoples, nations, languages will serve him. Over all, he will be king. That includes you. And that, that includes me. And I, I want to pause here for a few moments because I think we Americans can struggle with this. What? You mean I'm going to be under a king? You mean I'm going to have to submit myself to the authority of someone else? We, we struggle with this because it's deep in our psyche to say that we have this idea that we're really the ones in charge. Like the, our, our declaration of independence says that governments derive their powers by the consent of the governed. Right? So theoretically, at least, when we look at people who are leading or whatever you call it um, in, in the government and you know, Congress and stuff, when we look at these people, we say, you know what, you're only there because I said you could be there. And ultimately, I don't, I don't really have to be under you because I'm the one that put you there. I'm, I voted for you. There's this streak of independence. I mean, it's just, it's deep. It's in our psyche. I mean, we, we can't help it. We were, we were born into it. But what Jesus calls us to is very, very different. And the, the question is, will we come under his rule? Will we obey what he calls us to do? And so, I would encourage you to practice kind of changing your mindset with the phrase, you, you are my king and I will obey you. 
Jesus, you are my king, and I will obey you. So since we're interacting this morning, let's just say that together, okay? Jesus, you are my king, and I will obey you. And now we can apply that in all the different areas of of our lives. We can apply it in our, our finances. Jesus, you're my king, and so I'll obey you when you say what to do with my money, whether it's to whether whether it's about giving some away, whether it's about saving some for the future, whether it's it's about not buying something it is that that I want that maybe you don't want for me. Jesus, you're my king. I'll obey whatever direction it is that you give to me. We we do this with our our impulses and our, our choices of what we do with, with our body. It's not our body. When we, when we say, Jesus, you're my king, I will obey you with this body that you have given to me. So whether it's, it's, it's eating or it's where I go or what I watch, I mean, there's all kinds of things that we just decide to do. Are we willing to submit those to the kingship of Jesus? Are we willing to submit to the kingship of Jesus in the conflicts that we have with one another? Because sometimes our our impulse, our our inclination, our default when we get into a conflict is I'm going to get that person and I'm going to give them the the what for. Well, maybe God just wants you to chill out and, and wait for a moment. And maybe, maybe God wants you to go to that person and ask for forgiveness or something you did. I know they did whatever, 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 but maybe God is calling you to go and ask for forgiveness. We, we could go on with other areas of our life, but the core of it is, Jesus, you're my king. I will obey you. And I want to just end with uh, one more scripture, which is not a prophecy, but it's actually a reflection on what Jesus did and the kind of king that he is. He's a very different kind of king than we typically think of. But Philippians 2 describes the, the ministry of Jesus and describes what, how different his kingship really is. It says, being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. So he humbled himself under the, the rule and authority of his father to do what his father asked him to do to the point of death, even death on a cross. So that's the ultimate in humiliation, but now the ultimate in exaltation follows. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. How how many knees? Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue. How many tongues? Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The kingship of of Jesus established because he was willing to, to, to humble himself under God's authority. Uh, whenever I read this, 
whenever we look at this passage, I'd like to point out the fact that you, you can bow now or you can bow later, but you're going to bow someday. So Jesus came to be king over all, including you, for always. If you're going to bow someday, why not bow now? I mean, now is the day to bow so that you can come under the lordship of Jesus, which also means coming under his protection. It doesn't just mean coming under just now you got to obey. I mean, it also means coming under his protection, under his provision. That's, that's what a good, healthy king does is to provide those things for, for his people. And so, my question to, to you this morning, if you have never bowed your knee to Jesus, is would you take that step of faith? I, I know it's, it's a step of faith because you don't know, if you, if you don't know Jesus well already, then you don't know how's he gonna handle me. I'm not sure if I wanna be under his lordship. Can I just encourage you to just, just try it out? Just try him. Because his lordship is, is just, benevolent, kind. He, he, he is the leader under whom you can truly thrive. So I'd encourage you to use this opportunity this morning. We're going to sing another song here in just a moment. Actually, we're going to re-sing a, a song that we sang already. But I, I just want to encourage you, if you have never bowed your knee to Jesus, to just call on him with, with those words, um, Jesus, you're my king. I want you to be my king, and I will obey you. I'll, I'll trust you enough to, to obey you. Make this morning that day that you bow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the kingship of Jesus. We thank you that you keep your promises, Lord, and that from, from centuries previous when you promised to reestablish the, the Davidic dynasty. Lord, you didn't forget about that. You had a plan for that and you reestablished it with your very own son who will rule in, in, perfect, um, in perfect leadership forever, in perfect righteousness, in perfect generosity. Lord, thank you for keeping your promises. Jesus, thank you for being a king who was willing to suffer for your, your people before you were exalted. And so now we just, we do exalt you and we lift up your name because you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our trust. You are worthy of our obedience. It's in your name we pray, amen.